Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, you know how you can help us. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. And of course, as I've told you on the previous podcast, I'm trying to take some time off so these podcasts are all pre-recorded. So if there is any news, go to ESPN.com. Do not expect me to be sitting here talking about it. And so there you go, ESPN.com. Today, I'm joined by Washington Commanders coach Ron Rivera as we talk about Eric Bienme. Now, I talked to Rivera several weeks ago in his office for a story that I wrote on the enemy on e- that is up on ESPN.com it was up there about a week and a half ago or so just about the early impact that the enemy has made with the commanders. Now, one thing we know, there's a lot of things we've talked about and there are, th- there are some things that we won't know that can't be answered until the season begins. The impact of changing the scheme. And I think it goes, this change is beyond just schemes. Schemes aren't, it's it goes beyond schemes as far as what works. Now the scheme has to match the talent. I get that, but within schemes, there are ways to match the talent. To, you know, to work with the talent you have. So I get all that, but it's so it goes beyond that. It go, you know, I don't know what kind of a play caller the enemy is going to be. There is an art to it. You know, Kyle Shanahan is a fantastic play caller. I think there are a lot of guys who are really good play callers, and so I don't know how the enemy will do in that role. And we'll begin. We'll find out during the season. How will the scheme help the offensive line? We'll find out during the season. I do think there are ways it can help, but is that enough to offset where maybe they may have some holes or weaknesses? I don't know. We'll see. I think it can be better, and they can do things better than what they've done. I think one thing that I that I think is good in this situation is that the way Ron Rivera approaches, he went, and I've talked about this before, but he went in a definitely in a different direction because this kind of a change was going to bring more changes and little things like um, it's, it's, let me go back to the beginning. When, when this search started, he wanted to somehow stay in a similar offense. If possible, he wanted to lessen the impact on the transition for a guy like Sam Howell. If he believed in him and they did, then they wanted to maximize what Howell could do. And that was, There was a thought like, should he stay in the same offense? Should he get someone who runs an offense? A guy like Pat Shermer would have been that kind of guy. But the more he went on, it's like, if you're going to change, you may as well change. And don't be afraid of what that change can bring. It's a lot going. You're going into your fourth year and you know there's going to be a new owner. You know you've got to win. So if that's the case, like, you know, you better change. If you're going to change, you better make sure it's a change that you want. And what is it that you want? And part of what they wanted is a guy who can maximize the the talent they had. They're the playmakers. How can you creatively get the ball more to these playmakers, getting them in space with a chance to run after the catch? And there's a lot of ways you can do it. Some of it's going to be on the quarterback. You know, if if a quarterback's taking a while to go from one progression to another, it, it closes windows. You might complete a pass but a window to create more yards would have closed because you were a little bit relate with it or you stuck on one read too long, those kind of things. So if Howell does well there, that will help the offense. That would have helped. And we saw it in the Dallas game. That's one thing that Howell did well. <clears throat> got rid of the ball like that, 
got the ball to playmakers in space. Jahan Dotson with a lot of yards after the catch in that game because of that. So that can help as well. But a lot of that stuff we're going to see back then. But anyways, going back to it. So with Rivera changing, that was part of the thought process is you're going to change, change big. Over the last year, look at some of the assistants that that Rivera has moved on from. Sam Mills Jr., a guy that, to be honest, they needed to do it. And they should have done it, you know, be long before before they did last summer. But it was the, but it was a move that was needed. I wasn't sure if he would ever do that because he had been with them for a while. Moving on from Scott Turner, that one, again, going into last year, I wouldn't have said that they had to do that. But after the season, you knew it had to be done. And this is Turner and was tight, you know, or Rivera's tight with the Turner family. Nor he loves North Turner knows what he's you know he coached with him respects him coach under him had him brought him to carolina i mean all sorts of things so there was a deep connection there but yet that was a necessary move and then john matzkow would coach with them for a while in carolina and here and was he allowed um that change to be made as well as offensive line coach so you know there are things i think when you're going last year and you know you have to win but to willing to do all that i think it's like hey okay those are the right kind of moves. Now, again, they have to pay off and, you know, we'll see if they do. It's a lot of change in one offseason for the offense between, you know, new coordinator or and new, new system and a new, really a new quarterback because he's only started one game. So a lot of changes, but the necessary ones, and it starts with the enemy, but that's what I did. But when you watched him, when you were around in the spring, you saw and felt the impact of the enemy. And it's not just the yelling. And I talk about this with Rivera and I mentioned a couple of times, you know, it goes beyond the yelling. And I think that's where, where Rivera in this audio interview um, was, we, we talked a lot about that, like what beyond the yelling stood out to him, because he, if you just yell, you're not really coaching, you're just yelling, but there was a purpose with his yelling. I think that's one of the things that has jumped out. Um, what I also like with 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 Bienemy when he does correct somebody, it is not just a certain guy. It's he's gonna he's gonna demand the same thing from a Kyrick McGowan at receiver that he does from Jahan Dotson. And so if McGowan runs it wrong in a in a in a, in a play in practice, and McGowan may not make the roster, and I would not put him on there right now, but he's a guy in the system. So you better run it right, and he'll make you run it again. If Jahan Dotson isn't running it at the pace and speed that he wants him to, he's going to make him run it again. And the be, same will be true for Terry McLaurin. Again, I always say when, when Biennemi first started coaching, he was with the Vikings. He got on Adrian Peterson. If you're going to get on Adrian Peterson, you're going to get on anybody. And let me say this too. This offense hasn't been good enough to not take stuff, to not – you know, have a demanding coach and then demand like you better do this right or else because the last time that this offense finished in the top 10 in either yards or points for the season was in 2016. The best finish under Scott Turner, I think, was 20th in one of those categories. So in other words, they haven't been good. So you, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get someone who demands the details, but most people like that. If the, if it helps, especially if it helps you produce. So anyway, those are, that's some of what stood out uh, with, with the enemy. And that's why I want to talk to Rivera for uh, that about this. That's why I wrote the story uh, about the enemy a week and a half ago. And, you know, one, it's funny though, because one of the things that you hear is with, even with Rivera, Will you have to kind of make sure that things are kept in check during practices a little bit during training camp? Because when you have the energy that the enemy has, guys feed off that on both sides of the ball. 
And it leads to the offense going a certain way, which leads to the defense going a certain way. And there's going to be a lot of back and forth with the words, um, with the energy. And I think that's, it'll be fun to watch, but sometimes you may have to like take a deep breath, guys, you're all on the same team, but it does lead to, it can lead to fun um, practice scenes and just, just to see how that affects how they practice. And, and again, it's more than the energy, it's the details of the position. That's what we talked about. So I wanted to bring on, oh, the other thing is, if it all goes well for Biennemi, of course, then listen, if it all goes well for these guys, for the commanders, Biennemi is going to be a head coach somewhere after the season. Because if it does go well, it's going to be a large part because the offense really performed well because you do expect the defense to be at a certain level. So so what happens if Biennemi leaves? Now, they did hire Tabata Pritchard. And again, I think a lot of people refer to him as Tavita. When he introduced them, him to, when he introduced himself to us at a um, meeting with the assistant coaches a month ago, it was Tavita. So he is a guy that I think is one to watch in the system. Would he be ready after one year to be a coordinator? I don't know. But if Biennemi can stay here a couple years, then then I think then he would be the guy that you would assume would probably take over because he has, I think there's a lot there that they're excited about with his potential as a, as a position coach for now, he'll be coaching the quarterbacks, but we'll see where it goes. That's, that's for, that's a discussion for another time, but I did want to talk about the impact on BNB. Now, before I get that, because it's a summer and because, because there's not a lot going on with it. And do want to give you a couple more minutes on something that I always like talking about, which is barbecuing. So, before I get to my the conversation with Rivera, let's talk about some grilled desserts. This is these are two of the things that I love making for my kids or for any guests when we have them. And then I don't make them all the time. It's you're talking about me a couple of times a year, but they're always a hit and they're not very hard. So the first one is a grilled banana split. And I have talked about this on here before. So for some of you who've heard this before, if you're new, it's one of my favorite things to do. So you just take a banana and it's you slice it, keep the, you don't peel it, slice it in half, take some melted butter, drizzle it in, into the banana, put some chocolate chips in there with it, wrap it up, put it on the grill for about eight minutes, take it off. It's nice and gooey, all that chocolate. Then you put your ice cream in there, have fun. That's a, that's a home run every time. The other one is one that I kind of came up with on my own. Actually, it was not, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. But it's one that I, I saw and I kind of combined some things that I saw and read about, but it's grilled pears. So what, you, what I do is slice the pears in half and put, drizzle some melted butter on each side, you know, on the pear, for, scoop out the seeds and all that, but drizzle some butter, melted butter on there, put them face down on the grill for about Four, three to four minutes, get a little bit of a sear on there, a little bit of, you know, get some, get some lines on there and just get a little bit of heat on there, flip them over, put some brown sugar on there, let it caramelize and then take it off. So you're only, it's only on the grill for about six minutes or so, maybe um, somewhere in that range. So you don't want to, you don't want to just, you want to get a good fresh pear, but you don't want the, the pear being soggy when you take it off or like that. So anyway, so along with that, I would roast some pecans. So you roast the pecans, you know, chop them up, roast the pecans, and then put the you know, you take the pears off. Obviously, put some ice cream in there, some vanilla ice cream, pretty good. Put some um, drizzle, some caramel syrup over there, and then top it off with the pecans to get that crunch. And that is also a big hit, especially for my wife. She enjoys that. I enjoy that. 
So now you can go enjoy it and tell them that Johnny sent you. So, okay, there you go. Anyway, that's it for the grilling. Next time I'm going to do something about pork belly. So anyway, here's my conversation with Washington Commanders coach Ron Rivera talking about the impact that Eric Bieniemy has made already and why he or what he thinks of all that. Here you go. School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect four, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket by entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K-E-I-M-2-3-D-C. Now open seven days a week. This is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. One of the things, I just some of the early impressions of EB, uh, and just, um, you know, we can hear the yelling. Yeah. And I always, I always tell people, like, people say, oh, they yell. It's yelling with, to me, it's with a purpose. It's a purpose. There's always a purpose with it. And, you know, but I'm just curious, like, what are some of the little offshoots of that that you've seen, even in some of the offensive guys, because of, like, I remember that one day he gets on Antonio because he crosses the line on a screen. Right. Then in practice, you guys run it. He's at the right depth. It's like it would have been a touchdown. Right. Like, so, like, what do you see as maybe the offshoots of that, the early right. impact of just his presence. Let me let me start from the from 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 you know when I brought him in and inter- interviewed him more than anything else. The thing that I kind of got out of it was more than anything else was that there was seemed to always be a plan. When we first sat down and we talked about the personnel, there was a plan. You know what I'm saying? As mm-hmm. far as the offense was concerned, he had a plan. You know, he liked Sam. From the beginning, he said, oh, I remember when we did him, we thought him coming out, he's a pretty good player. He's a guy we really didn't think about. And I said, Wow, okay. So, yeah, he said, Guy like that, man, quick release, good decision maker, compact delivery. I mean, he's the kind of guy that, yeah, you, you, you can do some things around. So I thought, Okay, he's already thought about that. And then I said, What? And he said, and, and he asked me, He said, Well, what are you looking for? I said, I said, Look, I'm looking for a guy that's got an offense that gets the ball out quickly into the playmaker's hands. I said, oh, We don't. You know, to I think I said to rely on trying to create explosives by throwing the ball downfield all the time didn't make sense to me. And what really stood out was in in the Dallas game was a couple of those short passes became big passes because of the catch and run. And then we went play action. We threw three deep balls and actually caught one of them and thought, wow, that's okay. So we talked about. He said, well, he says I'll tell you right now. I like to play members. He said Terry. John, Curtis, he said, things that we can do with guys like that, you know. Uh, we talked a little bit about the tight ends. We talked mostly about the young tight ends, and then we talked about 
Logan, and I said, look, Logan Thomas is as good a player I've been around. Just last year, he's coming off the knee and never really got back till the very, very end. You saw a little bit of it. And so he had a plan. So when we're out on the field and I'm listening to him and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is his plan. This is what he's thinking about. This is why he's doing what he's doing. You know, getting the points of emphasis across is, is I thought, was really impressive more than anything else. And that, that seems to stand out with it, yeah. too. And, you know, can you see guys, when, when a guy has a plan, like, and again, we're still a few months from the season, so this is a first impression of him. Right. But when you have that plan, what's the, what's the impact on the players on the field? Like, wh- how do they what react? I, to- what, I, what, I, what, I, what I believe is they're seeing the, they're seeing the results from the yelling. Okay, he's not yelling just to yell, just right. to be heard. He's yelling to explain, right. to direct, this is part of our plan. And, and I think that's what the players see. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when – you need me closer? No, 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 I just – I want to make sure it was – I always get paranoid if it's not going. So it's going. <laughs> um, and I think the players understand that. They understand that he's not just yelling at me to yell at me and try and make an example of me or show everybody he's stronger than me or smarter than me. He's doing it because that's how he emphasizes right. things. That's his, that's his way of making a point of something, saying this is very important. We need to pay attention to this. We need to understand that this is how we need to do these things. What are the things, as an assistant head coach, what are some of the responsibilities that you gave him that you know, maybe either you would have done in the past or just like things to that? You know? Well, a big part of this is obviously, and I, I told you guys, a lot of it has a lot to do with scheduling. And and scripting, um, and so what? Scripting practice schedules or yeah, something, stuff like that. And and so what we've done is, you know, we've taken the stuff that that he's he's been involved with, and said, hey, this is you know this is what we did you know when I was there, and these are some things that we've done that have helped helped us. And so let's take a look at them. So we start talking about, so I'm listening, and I said, sure, let's go ahead and do that. And so anything I, in particular? Um, yeah, the way we we practiced. Um, it's there was a little more emphasis on the uh, individual periods, a little more emphasis on the unit, and then on the group, and then team. And so, so another like going over like the screen situation I brought up that was in a group setting, right? And then to, to maybe enhance that stuff to get to yeah. that is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Well, the, they 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 did stuff like that in one on one. I'm not one on ones, but um, right. but the individual right. stuff. Or quarterback practice, and right. the back went out right. and looked. You know, he went to where his landmark was right. and then curled up for the screen. Um, there's there's them practicing the backs releasing, right? And when you watch them practice releasing, what are they doing? They're practicing the you know the the the, the chip, and then they're right. going to their route, yep. and then get into practice. Now they can't chip at practice, so but you watch them as they go through it when it's when it's offense against defense. You see them go through, and they see that little quick, like they they would have hit the guy, and then they go into the flat. And so hopefully, when we get into pads, and we start doing it, you'll see a little more. And then, but those are the details yeah. of every little thing aspect of it. Um, and then it's, you know, so you see those differences in, in the way we practice. Um, there's, a, there's a little bit of an emphasis that, you know, he wants to do installation and then, you know, a meetings and then, then immediately followed up 
with some uh, unit stuff. So the offense does those things right away. So he's changed the way we do things and look at things. And it's been good for him. It's been good for me, too, because, you know, after you've been in the same system for 12 years, change is, 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 is always a good thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, been, it's been really refreshing. Um, it's interesting because with Jack, you know, some of the stuff that E.B. had brought to me, Jack said, yeah, he said, I did some of this stuff when I was in – with the Raiders, oh, I did this back in, in Jacksonville. He said, oh, this is, and so I've asked Jack what he thought about it. He said, some of the stuff he said, Ron, I've done before. Some of it's a little new to me too as well, but it's been really good. And, you know, so what happens is now when they start scripting, um, EB will go to Jack, and he and Jack will talk about it, and they'll discuss some of the things. Uh, EB came to me with how we want to do things in the regular season. And um, – I'd in never terms done, of what? In, like in terms of schedule. And I said, I'd never done it that way. And so I said, and Jack was all, he said, I was doing that in, in, with the Raiders. He said, and I, I tell you, Ron, I found it to be very effective. So, Is okay, it more cool. the order of things? In yeah, the, it's the order of things, the way things things are mapped out. So they both had done it in the past. So it was it was good to hear that, you know, knowing that Jack had done it as well. So it, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it continues to be a collaborative effort, putting everything together and – but the big thing is, is hey, let's do that. Let's try it. I'd love to see us do that. And so it's been good. Um, you know, as far as him on the field, you know, the yelling and stuff like that. Or, and I, I mean, it's, I hate to always emphasize because I don't think it is. I think it's, it's energy and presence. Correct. I, yeah. I, I, I agree. And what it's done is it's taken away um, the need for me to do it constantly. Yeah. You know, which has really been helpful for me. It really has now. So I don't have to always look for the next thing to, to, to bark out. Um, and so, you know, you feel his presence out there. And, and that's, been, that's been very helpful as well. And it's kind of interesting because when I go over and I watch Jack and I see him, you know, it, it's, there's an excitement. And Jack has always had it. I'm seeing the same thing in Eric. Well, you know what? I was talking to a defensive player the other day. He's like, because of Eric's energy, like they want to match that on oh, defense. The players, like, the players on offense will say it, but the defensive guys. No, the players, and the players know. And it's it's one of the things that I've already told the players, and I've, I've I've told certain players, certain leaders, and I've <laughs> I've talked to Jack about it. I said, you know, with the energy he's bringing, I said we got to be real smart in practice. <laughs> I said because you know these guys are going to want it. You know, and and as soon as one starts getting on top of the other, it's going to get really competitive. And I know that, you know, we've talked to Eric about this, but um, and this isn't the focal point for him to get the head coaching job. But being around and watching out there, part of me just says, how is this guy not a head coach yet? Do you have any of that thought out there with that? I said the same thing. Yeah. And I think a big part of it because of Andy's shadow. Yeah. I really do, and I think it's it's unfair. Coach Reed and I had great conversation about Eric before before we hired him and brought him here. And he's you know, and then I talked to two of his co-coaches. You know, uh, they're both you know the coordinators in, in in Kansas City, and asked them, hey, what can I expect? What am I going to get? Dave Tober off the bat, said, you're going to get a high energy, high impact guy, coach. I really said, oh, he said. This guy, this is what he's always done. He did it. He did it in Kansas City. He's gonna do it for you. Yeah. Steve Spagnuolo told me the same thing. Yeah. No. It's he's, he's like I said. I don't, when I talk to him, like you don't want to harp on that yelling because I just 
I've seen, I've been around coaches who yell to yell, and that's not him. It's just part of the energy. Part. Of I would the say, I would, I would say he has a, a high volume. Uh, Correctional voice. <laughs> um, the last thing that I, Sam, what was the best thing that you saw from him this spring? I saw him self-correct. I saw him. Um, I saw him improve. I saw him focus on specific techniques, individual techniques, like, like footwork, and footwork. Something. Very conscientious of it. His faking, you know. Mm. Making sure it's it's believable, not just that and go. It's that you know, hey, I'm turning into it. Um, he's always had quick twitch, so that was good. But um, I think the self-correcting was was really good and seeing things because you know, it's when something happened, you know, he he would turn to EB or he would he would make the comment out loud so EB could hear it that he knew right away when he should have done or something or or, or yes. And what I also appreciated, though, was the way EB responded, um, and in, and when he did do it right, and 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 Sam knew he did it right. EB still had something to say, positive. It was always, and it was always everything he everything he did was positive. That that I thought was really cool. And then what happened um, the other day? Um, it was on. Was, was it Thursday or was it Wednesday during minicamp? I think it might have been Wednesday. There was a uh, there was a uh, there was a route combination that we were running, and the idea behind it was to have the dig come in the shallow, okay, and the opposite side came at an intermediate. And the post. So what happened was you had the post clear out first, okay, and he took the post safety. And then he had the dig coming coming right underneath it. But what we had was we brought the tight end through this, okay. So when what happened, Sam came back and he's looking, and he he was looking at the post, and he saw the safety go. So he was bringing his eyes down to throw the dig, the shallow. And all of a sudden, he saw the tight end on the cross, and so he and hit it. And as soon as he turned to EB, he said, "I was late." And Eric said, "And Eric said, that's all right. You you made the read. That's the read we want." He said, "And I just happened to be standing next to EB when it happened." And I said, "And and 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 EB kind of." Hesitate for a second. I said, I said he was late, wasn't he? He said, he said yes. He said, but he saw it. He saw it. He said that's his third read. Okay, it goes one, two. He said, but if you can see the backer drive and the safety run, is the deeper play. And he still completed. Yeah, that's the quick twitch too. Yes, yeah. being able to clutch it and throw it. That's the quick twitch. Yeah. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Ron Rivera for joining me. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. 
I'll be back with another episode on Thursday talking to, going to play you an audio interview that I had with Emmanuel Forbes going over his interceptions when he was in college and ones he returned for touchdowns. What can you learn from that? What can you learn about him from listening to him describe those plays? So I wanted to kind of play that. I wrote a story about that a month or so ago, but I thought it was an interesting conversation, so I wanted to play it for you. So, talk to you next time.